Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee. Outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. Hey y'all, it's good to be here with you today. It's very cozy here. The snow is finally falling. We had quite a lot of weeks that We were having a rare winter here in Bend, Oregon, as many people are where they are, and it has finally been snowing these past two days so much, and it is just incredibly beautiful to be looking outside at the trees with the snow falling through them while imagining hanging out with you wherever you are. My dog Luna is sleeping underneath her bed in front of me, so she is feeling very cozy as well. I wanted to spend some time today with you talking about comparison. Oddly enough, (laughs) um, I'm in a book club and we are reading Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, and it's kind of like a dictionary of emotions. And in, I think it was in chapter two, maybe, um, when I got to the emotional experiences related to comparison, like jealousy and envy, um, I kind of put the book down. (laughs) I was all of a sudden just not very interested. And I knew exactly why. It's really easy for me to engage with and read about grief and sadness or anger or despair. These these are things that I know intimately and um, am proud to be in relationship to. And when I started reading about comparison, something felt extra gritty, tense, contracted, maybe holding my breath a bit, clenching my jaw, not really wanted wanting to fully look at that within myself. Um, I know that that is part of where I get caught up, where my insecurity shows up when I'm not paying attention, when I'm not self-aware, when I'm not resourced, uh, when I'm not feeling at my best. That's a, Comparison can be a real crux for me where I end up taking myself out. (laughs) And um, after I did finally get through the chapters, because I had to, because we were meeting for book club, um, I was so grateful to just take some time with that. And since reading that, I've been noticing different places it pops up in my life and having a fresh intention around being with it in a different way, instead of just kind of trying to muscle through it or ignore it or just kind of be like, well, everyone feels this. It's not a big deal. But to really welcome it and welcome what's beneath it. Um, so I had a great opportunity to get to do that a 
couple of times this week around my business. And I know a lot of people who are listening, a lot of you are running businesses, especially in the coaching industry and in the wellness industry. And social media is a a big way that many of us share about our work, that we engage with each other around our work, that we learn from each other, platforms like Facebook and Instagram and all those places. And I had the most incredible experience last week because I I removed Instagram and Facebook from my phone, which I have done before. And every time I feel enlivened, I feel like I can breathe. I don't have that constant anxious experience where I, where I feel like there's something in my phone that I haven't gotten to yet or that I that's calling my attention, but I can't quite find. That just evaporated immediately. I also deleted the dating apps off my phone. <laughs> they were creating the same kind of experience in my body, which was anxious. And um, part of what the relief was from letting go of Instagram and Facebook, not having to see it unless I consciously choose on my desktop to go to respond to comments, you know, after we've posted, my team posts my posts for me, which is awesome. Um, but I wasn't scrolling, doom scrolling from coach to coach to coach to coach. You know, my feed is full of coaches (laughs) and I wasn't unconsciously being insecure or comparing myself or looking at other people, telling myself I need to do this funnel like this, or my opt-in could look like that, or wow, I should be charging that. Other business coaches are doing that. And with, you know, post after post after post, my brain is just inflamed with all of these new ideas, which sometimes can be inspiring, but more often than not, it can feel quite daunting. And that feeling, it doesn't serve me. It often takes me out of the lane of what I was already doing. I was already planning. I was already inspired about and gets me on a tangent thinking I need to be doing something different. I need to do something better. Uh, or most recently, um, I was reading, uh, the website and the opt-in and all of the marketing material for someone who I just met, who's absolutely wonderful human doing incredible work in this world. And we essentially do the exact same thing. I had no idea there was another person who did something that sounds quite similar to me. And I very consciously, you know, was reading through their stuff, celebrating them, being grateful that they're putting this work into the world too, feeling inspired by them and in awe. And then at the same time, there was another part that was just sneaking in there with, hey, you don't have your bio sounding this good or, hey, your opt-in isn't as beautifully curated (laughs) or, you know, hey, are we qualified in this way? Do I have more specializations than this person? Um, What puts me above them or what puts me below them? And immediately I felt 
bad. I felt bad for about a good 18 hours where I felt like I needed to change my whole everything in my business. And in these days, I know, I know what's happening and I can watch the process and I know it will pass. I even said it to myself when I was looking at the website and I said, Hey, by the time you go to bed tonight, you're not even going to remember this. (laughs) And I have to consciously remember that this these feelings that happen as I'm doom scrolling and comparing my business and my skill and my offerings and what I charge and this and that, that these things don't stick. It's kind of part of being an entrepreneur in the coaching world, using social media as a form of engagement um, to remember that I can give this space, that these feelings of comparison are um, here for a reason, that this was a way I learned how to survive. It was a really important thing that I did when I was younger to be able to be the best, to be noticed, to feel like I belong, to feel loved. And so I can remind myself when I'm in that spiral that this is temporary, that this nervous system activation isn't necessarily about this present moment. It's about how I learned how to be in relationship, how I learned how to survive, how I learned how to focus on my career and my livelihood. But it's not who I am now. It's not what has to be happening now. So I let those 18 hours go by and then I I busted my bubble with a good friend, actually with two good friends. And I said, hey, I just want to check this out. (laughs) I know that I shouldn't hold these things by myself. It's just my brain being the fun brain that it is. And it's really normal to to go into this uh, for me and for a lot of entrepreneurs. Let's be real here. Come on. (laughs) Uh, No matter what level we're at, no matter how much money we're making, no matter how full our practices are or how empty they are, that this is a way that we learn and grow and better ourselves. And part of what I wanted to make sure of was that I was being ethical with my marketing, how I speak about my work to the world, both being a therapist and a coach. Was I calling it the right thing? Um, Should I change everything? Is it definitely um, representative of what I'm offering? And So I sat down, I talked it out with two friends and both of them, fortunately, they're in this industry, but also, you know, one in the medical industry and another in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion work. And both of them just looked at me and they, they're like, without a shadow of a doubt, this is a distraction. You are doing such important work. Your work is helping people. It doesn't matter if you are calling it the right thing. The right thing is always changing. You can't keep up with that. You are helping people. You're representing your work well. All of it, you know, just got so much reassurance, so much love, so much support. And the message that I kept getting from myself listening to them was just stay in your lane. (laughs) It is so easy to get distracted and it's such an energy leak. But when I focus on the work that is mine, that I love and 
when I focus on the fact that it's helping people and that it feels fun for me to do it, it, it stops that track. It stops that track of, but I could be doing more or I need a different funnel or I need to hire another branding person. Not that I haven't done that in the last few weeks because I have, and you will see those come out, but it does interrupt that process sometimes. Today, when we had that conversation, you know, I thought about changing what I call my work. And we, when we, after we talked, I just felt so much relief because I was like, no, this is not what needs to happen. This is a distraction. What I really want to be doing right now is deepening the work that I'm already focused on, deepening my current brand, deepening how I talk about the work that I already call my work, you know, not pivoting. And it can be so easy to pivot left and right and left and right and left and right as we're growing our coaching businesses. And what I see working with folks, because I've been doing a lot of business coaching these last couple of years, is that one of the biggest obstacles to moving forward and to uh, get gaining clients and revenue and all of that is this, is the pivot. As soon as we hear about someone that's doing something different that we perceive as being better, and then we change the whole strategy and the whole system and the whole offering at the drop of a hat. And then all, and then it takes long, uh, long again, because we need to build those new systems and tell people about this new offering. <laughs> um, it really impedes our ability to welcome people into our offerings. So I have to practice what I preach. (laughs) When my brain that has been impacted by trauma goes into a flight response, starting to plan all new things, starting to create all new offers based on one person's website, (laughs) I have to slow down. I have to lean into support. I have to find my regulation, co-regulation, self-regulation, and remember what is my number one goal here? What's my number one value in this moment around my work? Where am I trying to go? Is following this tangent going to get me there or is collecting my energy and continuing to deepen what I was already doing, even if it feels hard or edgy? Is that going to serve me? So we have to always, always be looking at that. And for me, I have a really hard time deciding those things on my own. I need a counsel. (laughs) I need my people. I need my coach. I need my therapist. I need my friends. I need my colleagues to help rein it in. Because as a multi-passionate person, I am full of new ideas, new tangents, new things that are fresh and fun that I want to keep offering. Yet I find again and again for myself and for those I support, when we stick with just one or two things and allow it to deepen, even when it doesn't seem like it's working, that eventually does work. That's us committing, showing up, saying, yes, I believe in this. And I'm here to roll up my sleeves and learn as much as I can about how to get this thing into the world that I love and I believe in, even if no one's paying attention yet, because eventually they will. 
But if you keep shifting gears, they're not even going to know what you're up to. Or even if you had their attention, you might lose their attention. Um, And I have done this so many times over the last 15 years or so. And in these last few years, I really have just deepened with my signature offers. You know, there are three that I focus on regularly. And people have come to know me for those things. You know, I offer trauma-informed care and training for everyone that comes into contact with me. And there are a few ways they can do that. And in the past, it was like, oh, I'll try this workshop. I'll try this new modality. I'll try this new training. And as soon as they wouldn't fill up, I would just cancel it. (laughs) And it's actually been really sweet to see what happens when I deepen my level of focus and commitment to what I am putting out there. And when I can do that, energy opens up, people sign up in my sleep. It's incredible. I was likening it to getting married recently. I haven't been married. I'm not married. I'm very single, if you know anyone. (laughs) Um, However, sometimes for me, stepping into a project with my business really feels like I am, I have to take a commitment. Like I am in this for the rest of my life. I am not wavering. I am not going anywhere. I am right here, even if this doesn't work, because I believe in this so much. And because I want to see, see this through for myself to see that success is possible, that these things that I love offering the world will get heard and seen and people will receive benefits and results and all this good stuff. I care enough about my own well-being and my livelihood that I can step with both feet in and say, I'm in this, even if it's uncomfortable, even if I'm scared, even if I think this won't work. I know that I've gathered so much support that this should work. So I'm in it. And um, when that happens, I have to recommit just like we do in relationships again and again and again and again. Oh, so much happens. Signups come in. People People want individual sessions. People are engaging with questions in the groups. It opens up this thing in me where people feel able to connect because they can feel that I'm really here, that I'll be dependable when they lean in, that I'll be here when they sign up and I'll offer them something that's wholehearted. But they won't do that if I'm not committed. And so it's a recommitment every so often. For me, I go through cycles where I get scared and hesitant and I don't know if this will work or wow, this is a lot of money to invest in this launch or this new team or something like that. Um, It happens about every three to four months where I'm like, oh, will I survive? Will my whole business crash? I don't know. And I have to step in. I have to go, yes, this is that ambivalent part of me that has been through so much and has such a hard time making decisions like an adult and wants someone else to make them for her and just wants it to be the best. And One part wants to step in and the other part wants to go run a cafe in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and scrap it all. And I gather my support and I remember my purpose and my intention 
and what I want to have happen for this work and for the people receiving it. And I step in again. And every time I have done that intentionally, it has been fully, fully rewarding. I have seen that for my clients so many times as well. They'll wander and they'll want to do this and they'll want to do that. And they have, don't have people signed up yet. And so they'll want to create something new. And then they'll have this new idea for this whole other body of work they want to create. Um, and when I can bring in with a, come in with a little bit of containment, help them regulate so they're not making these decisions from a place of fight, flight, freeze, collapse. Then they can make a wise choice around what will truly support the depth of this project, this offering, this goal for them. And once they can stay with it over time, they get to see what blossoms, what blooms. There's this point for so many of us, more people than not, who are coaches, therapists, entrepreneurs, these are the people I work with. It's more of a slow grow. Mine was definitely a slow grow. There are a lot of people that have quick successes. Um, and those are a lot of the people that we kind of tend to hone in on. I sure do. And I'm like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? <laughs> but more people are doing the slow grow. And I really respect that. I know that we all want the get rich quick scheme and the full practice, no scheme, but the full practice, that huge um, windfall of energy and, uh, you know, being successful very, very quickly in all of the ways that we gauge success. However, I really trust slow and steady. That's been my path. And that's been the path of most of the people I work with, which doesn't make it so compelling to be like, hey, come work with me. It's going to be slow. <laughs> but the difference is that there is a foundation, a deep, deep, deep foundation that gets built when the windfall stops and when there's an ebb and flow, there's something to lean into to, that can trust that everything we're doing is working that we have this clear picture of where we're headed, what we're doing, why, and the nervous system can handle the fluctuations over time. And that is what I'm interested in because that impacts our clients. When we're steady over the long term, when, when we're running our business, we're doing those logistics. <laughs> we can come into our sessions when we're using that other part of our brain to hold space, to guide them, to help in a way that is also steady, dependable, and reliable. Um, it doesn't have that frenetic energy where things are just moving really quickly and expanding very fast and there's fear of losing it all and um, going so fast that our nervous systems can't calibrate. So I'm a big fan of one foot at a time. How do we build this in a way that's sustainable, even if it's not um, growing as fast as we put the expectation on the business, how can we build something that is so solid? And that is what I've been talking about today. It's slowing down enough to notice where we got, get caught up, to lean into our support, to get really clear on what our goals and vision and offerings are, 
and to fully commit to the process with our mind, our body, our heart, and our soul as much as we can in every moment, knowing that sometimes that's going to be a little and sometimes that's going to be a lot. So today, 18 hours after navigating that website, I went through a full process and have just felt even more clear on my work and why I love it, why I speak about it in the way I do, why I share about it and teach about it. And I'm like, yes, actually, I this is exactly what I do and this is why I do it. And it is high integrity, high ethics, and I believe in it. And so that's when I feel grateful for that moment of comparing mind because it helps me come back to my ground. It helped me lean into my support and recommit to what is important about me. And it also helped remind me that so many of us are doing incredible work in the world and what other people are up to is none of my damn business. (laughs) It really isn't. And so the less time I can personally spend on social media and on other people's sites, um, the more energy I have back to really cultivate my body of work that's important to me and my people. So I'll leave you there with that. I hope that it's been impactful. If comparison isn't your thing, maybe you've got another thing. Make space for it. Welcome it. And um, I'm here. I've got your back. So thank you so much for listening today. Thanks so much for listening. Before you go, if you loved the conversation today, make sure you're subscribed and leave a five-star review so we can get the word out to anyone that this might be supportive or inspiring to. Also, if you're a facilitator, coach, healer, or therapist, Creating Safer Space is open for enrollment now. Go check it out at creatingsaferspace.com. If you're a medical provider or healthcare professional, check out creatingsaferhealthcare.com today. Bringing you accessible online trauma awareness and trauma-informed trainings brings me so much joy. Looking forward to connecting with you over there as you join me in this worldwide revolution supporting the folks who need it the most.